0: 2003, I went to a celebrity wedding. Probably a B-class, C-class celebrity. (laughs) You know, like you might identify their face, but you definitely wouldn't know their name. Anyway, I went to this wedding, and uh, in 2003, and 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 just minding my own business. Next thing I knew, there was a photographer. There were photos taken. Next thing I knew, because the I was in the photo with the celebrity. C-class celebrity. Uh, they were in Women's Weekly, and so the photo was in Women's Weekly. Fantastic magazine, good for your soul. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse my cynicism. And anyway, uh, it ended up in, this, in the Women's Weekly, and then my auntie Kathy Ruddick, she saw my photo in the Women's Weekly, and she cut it out of the Women's Weekly. Very proud, auntie. <laughs> You know one of those aunties? Oh, Hayden, do no wrong. I love Hayden. Hayden, wonderful Hayden. And anyway, just a lovely, amazing auntie. Believes the best. And anyway, she, she put this photo on the on the fridge. A, a, a small, innocuous, unnoticeable thing. She's just like, I'm proud of my nephew. Here he is on the fridge. Anyway, I have a cousin. Her name is Summer Ruddock, who is the daughter of Kathy Ruddock. She has this friend called Kirsten. And her and Kirsten... Leave their flat in Hamilton and travel to Waihe, go into the house and to see my auntie, Summer's mother, and and they and they walk in there and they happen to look at the fridge. And Kirsten, the friend of my cousin, she sees the photo, she goes, Hey, who's that guy? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Who's that guy? And uh, my cousin says, Well, that's my cousin Hayden. <laughs> uh huh. And, and, and Summer goes on to say, Actually, you know what? He would be a great match for you, Kirsten. You would be well suited. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Over the next two years, my cousin Summer plants these seeds because let's be honest, she was dating a drongo. And anyway, like, you, you would be great. <laughs> With this guy, Hayden. And, uh, and, and, but it's interesting because on the other side of that, small seeds are being sown from Cousin Summer towards me, saying, hey, I've got this great friend, Kirsten. She would be a great match for you. Mm-hmm. We'll see about that. <laughs> two, year, two, two years later, after this innocuous small incident and all these little small innocuous unnoticeable seeds being sown, we meet in person. <laughs> Sparks are flying, I tell you. We go for a run. Like first time getting to know each other, we go for a run together. She challenges me to a race. I thrash her. I, just to, uh, uh, that's not important. but <laughs> Long story short, we end up dating, engaged, married, children. 14 years later, blah blah blah. Right? Okay, that's, that's all good. That's good. Not blah blah blah. I don't mean like that. I just mean don't. <laughs> I, I think I was winning. Now I'm losing. <laughs> anyway, fall from grace. You're looking at these things up here going, what are they there for? Man, is he going to drink some Sprite and some pineapple juice? It's amazing because uh, small seeds resulted in big direction, big way of life, big, big decisions but it all started very, very small, very, very small. There's a kingdom principle found in Galatians 6 verse 7, which says, Do not be misled. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. God cannot be mocked. A man or a woe man reaps what he sows. The other version, the NLT version says... Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. It's true, right? It doesn't matter where you're at in your faith, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a church, regular, attender, no matter where you're at, you cannot mock the justice of God. You cannot mock this kingly kingdom principle that basically what we sow in one day, we will reap in the next. It can also be said like this. It can be said, Today is the child of yesterday. Today is also the father of tomorrow. That what you have sown, what we have sown, what has been sown into us in the past from yesterday, we are experiencing the fruit, the harvest, the reaping of that from yesterday. But also what is true is that what we are sowing right now, what we are allowing to be sown, what has been created today will be harvested, will be reaped, will be experienced tomorrow. There's a kingdom principle. i just say a disclaimer. A disclaimer. There's exceptions to this rule. For example, you might be in the situation here today where you've had great tragedy track, uh, come into your life by no cause of your own. For example, you may be a driver who drives well below the speed limit, gets your car serviced, wears a seatbelt, drive to the conditions, do the right things, and yet, someone may have crossed the median strip and crashed into your car, for example, causing great tragedy. I've heard of and know of people who have chain-smoked their whole life, lived a long life, and never gotten lung cancer. But it's an exception people who are financially struggling, winning lotto. There's exceptions to this kingdom principle. But ultimately, the principle in the majority of the statement, you and I, we will reap what we sow. We will reap it. We will eat it. We will We will receive the harvest of what we're sowing today, but also what was sown previously. I did some research on pineapple juice and Sprite. Fizzy, fizzy drink, fizzy. Oh yeah, get ready for this. We will reap what we sow. We will harvest what we plant. This guy, if you drink enough of it often enough, can lead to type 2 diabetes, is associated with increased fat deposits, increased risk of cancer, increased chance of dementia, increased risk of heart disease, causes decay in our teeth because of the powerful combination of acid and sugar, can lead to gout, also known as inflammation of the joints, and has zero essential nutrients. Anyone for a Sprite, Not right now, but maybe later at the beach, right? It's hot. You could tempt me. This guy, pineapple juice, get this, helps remove toxins from our body, helps with our digestion, is a potent cleanser that alkalizes the body, is a metabolism booster, helps you lose weight. The B vitamins present in this stimulate brain function and reduce stress and strain. In addition, pineapple contains an amino acid involved in the releasing of serotonin, which is the happy hormone. It reduces the risk of developing cataract and macular degeneration in our eyes, prevents blood clotting, strengthens your bones, supports skin health, strengthens your gums and has cancer protective properties. Give it up for pineapple. Anyone want some pineapple juice? It's lucky I didn't get coffee. That might have been a little more convicting. (laughs) Coffee's good for you. (laughs) Interesting. Just a side note. God creates this stuff. Like, obviously, humans process it a little bit, whatever. But but ultimately, pineapples, God makes pineapples. Man-made, right? Man-created. Anyway, little tangent. What is true of the physical is also true of the spiritual. We are what we eat. But what is true of our physical bodies and I just want to say this as well. Some people have made their bodies and their diets their God. I'm not talking about that today. I'm not, I'm not, make, I'm not saying you should make food your God or your idol, because some people do. That's what they idolise. That's what they put in place of everything else is their, their diet and, and how they eat and healthy and all that. I'm not saying that. But it is good to eat healthy, to look after the temple, our bodies known as the temple that God has given us with the indwelling of a spirit which sits inside us, it's a really good and biblical thing to do to look after our bodies, but not put it in the place of God. I'll say that. What is true of the physical is also very true of the spiritual. That ultimately, what you put into your body, the outcome we will experience of that. Bad seed in, bad harvest out. I don't even know if that's good in England. But in the spiritual realm, We can be planting seeds of God, good seeds in our lives, and we can reap an incredible harvest if we plant the good seeds. But there's also bad seed, which will result in spiritual decline, spiritual unhealth, spiritual rotting, and spiritual dying. We are in a battle, people. We're in a battle. And I want to let you know this morning for myself, it's not easy. That there's something inside of me and probably inside of all of us that we are constantly in this battle of sowing good versus sowing bad. That it's really hard at times to continually be sowing the good because let's be honest, we run out of willpower, right? It gets really hard. I'd also say this for the farmers in the room it's really slow. Right, like you, you plant the seed. But then you water it and you care for it and you look after it, and you till the soil and you, you create space for it and you and you fertilize it. But it takes time to see the fruit of that. That ultimately in this culture that we live in right now, we want it now. We want it fast, we want to see it move quickly, we want to see what we're sowing in right now, we want to see it harvest now. It's like a microwave versus an oven. Oven and a microwave are terrible. Oven, Oven in a microwave? Potato in a microwave? Bad, right? Potato in an oven with salt and pepper. Mm. Come on. Anyway, that is a massive tangent. Anyway, (laughs) what you and I sow today in the spirit realm is also true of this physical realm that we will reap it tomorrow. Now, that's a massive challenge. Because there's a part of us, isn't there, that is in constant fight or tension with God to be planting and sowing the right seeds. There's a tension within us. The Apostle Paul, who wrote over a third of the New Testament, an incredible intellect, an incredible vessel of God that sowed incredible amounts of the gospel seed into all of the world. He said this in Romans 7.15. He said, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. He's talking about this very thing. He's talking about this wrestle that, hey, I want to do the right thing, but so often I don't do it. I want to do it. I know what I need to do. We know what we should be sowing into our lives, and yet we don't do it. But part of that, I think, is, yes, it's because it's slow. I I had someone come up to me last year, and they said, "Hayden, hey, I've decided to start giving towards Curate, giving financially." And I was like, "Good for you. That's great." Four months later, he came back to me and said, like, "Hayden, hey, i stopped giving to Curate." Uh, "Good for you. Okay. <laughs> That's, okay. Yeah. I didn't see any. I didn't see anything good come of my giving. I didn't see any outcome." I was like, "Maybe give it a little bit more time." it's interesting because even in that time that he was giving, two people came to me and they said, Hayden, I've noticed about this person that they're far less materialistic. Far less materialistic. Thinking less about getting stuff, getting more, wanting more, buying more. He seems far more content. Perhaps we're just looking for the wrong harvest. I don't mean to go there. We can just relax. You know, you bring up the money thing and, you know, things tend to go south from there. (laughs) Pineapple. (laughs) Galatians 6-7. I'll continue on. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature. That is definitely true of me will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life. Also, another way of saying is that those who live to please God will harvest everlasting life. Whoa! That's like life after this life. That if we live to please God today, we won't just experience a harvest tomorrow, will experience a harvest everlasting into eternity. That's something to celebrate. That is really good news. That is really good news, people. (laughs) For eternity. I know, I can't comprehend it either. It's like, that sounds great, Hayden, but man, it's really hard to comprehend because I've got bills to pay him. Anyway, and children to pick up. (laughs) So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired. Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. I want to say this this morning. What I think the very first part of the Scripture says is don't be misled, don't be deceived, that often I think we can walk around in our spiritual lives and be deceived, that often we can be misled around sowing something, small, innocuous, unnoticeable, that we won't experience the consequences of that decision. I I just want to say this. It's really, really important. We all have blind spots. We all have parts in our life that we don't even notice, that we're, we're not even aware of. You and I, we need people in our lives who trust, who we trust deeply, that they will speak truth into our lives and tell us truth about what we are doing and the way we are living. In James 5, 16, it says confess your sins to one another. Confess your bad seed. Confess your brokenness. Confess the things that aren't of God to one another, to other people. And then you will experience healing. There's a healing which comes vertically, but there's also a healing which comes horizontally. (laughs) Horizontally. And so I'll say this, maybe there's one takeaway today. If you want to reap an everlasting harvest, part of it I truly believe, and I'm grateful for the, for the trusted men and women in my life who are able to speak truth into me and tell me truth about my blind spots and what I'm putting in, the way I'm perhaps speaking or the way I'm perhaps thinking or the, perhaps, the way that I'm perhaps acting, that ultimately without those people in our lives, we will never experience the everlasting life that he truly has for you. So today may be the takeaway is we need to sow into some relationships where people can speak truth to us. The second thing I want to say is that like begets like. Whatever we hunger for, we will hunger for more. If we get used to drinking Sprite, do you know what you will desire? More Sprite. If we get used to drinking pineapple juice, maybe not too much of it. (laughs) You, 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 you'll desire whatever you feed your appetite. You'll desire more of. I don't know about you, but during lockdown, I, I binged, I binged on some Netflix. Confession moment. Designated survivor. Anyone with me? Confession moment. <laughs> I, I started watching the series, and, and then. And I just could watch another one. I want to watch another one another one. Then I want to the second series. Then I got to the third series. It's inappropriate. And so I stopped watching. But, but the, you know, I, I ended up finding myself binging on the series that, that I just wanted more of that. But it starts so innocuous, so small. It's just a small habit or a small thought or a small start that whatever we focus on will ultimately end up what we have an appetite for. And what is true of all the bad seed and those things in our lives that are incredibly unhelpful is also true of the God seed. That if we, something like fasting, let me just take fasting for an example. Fasting is hard. But what I also know to be true is that more time spent fasting, seeking God, removing ourselves from all our appetites, from all our appetites, you will begin to desire to fast more. That, that small, innocuous morning prayer, that if it becomes a, not just a, a behavior, it becomes a habit, that over time we will begin to have an appetite for more prayer. It's the same with the Word of God if we begin just small and frequent amounts of Word of God in our life, over time, our appetite will become greater and greater and greater. We will harvest the seed of the Word more in our life. We will experience that. It's hard. It's a battle. The second thing is, it starts in the small. Uh, I took a friend to go and check out a beautiful home this week that seemed ridiculously cheap. We went to the home. We started to look around the home. It was a beautiful home. And and uh, the friend started to point out some of the things about the home. He said, hey, look up just under that window there. There's a there's a really tiny crack. I don't know if you can notice it. I was like, oh, just. I can just see that. He said, yeah, so that tiny little crack there, the reason there's bubbles on the outside of the paint here, down here further, is because there's water getting in through that tiny little crack and it's causing damage to the inside of the home. So even though the home may look beautiful, the home may look wonderful, there's actually tiny little cracks all around this home that was built in the 90s that over time has actually rotted the inside of the house and that you should not buy this home because it needs a complete abolishment and start again. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting, isn't it? That sometimes it can just be the little cracks in our life, those little glances, those little things of choosing the wrong path on the internet, those little cracks, if left open, if left unaddressed, over time can turn into massive fissures, massive gaping holes. We we say it like this, the fallen from grace. The fallen from grace. It didn't just happen in that moment. It happened a million little decisions back here, small seeded decisions that resulted in this. They fall from grace. I think we need to be a people that fall into grace. That in every thought, every waking moment that we would go, you know what? I can't do this under my own strength. I can't I can't sow the seed that is gonna reap the sort of harvest God that you, God that you have for my life. Would you help me? I love the story of Brother Lawrence. He wrote this book, Practicing the Presence of God. He, he lived in the 1600s. He was a lay pastor. He spent his entire life washing dishes and fixing sandals. Small things. But he spent his entire life practicing the presence of God in every moment. And he wrote this book that is now one of the most read, well-acclaimed Christian books ever read. But no one would have known his name back then. No one would have known what he was doing back then. But he is reaping an eternal harvest. It's good. What small habit, what small way of thinking, what what way of being do we need to ask God to come and help potentially die This morning. And what seeds do we need to embrace that God is trying to put in our lives that will reap the sort of harvest that we know will truly bring glory to God? What do we need to start today? I want to say this this morning as well, that perhaps what's happened to some of us is that seeds have been sown from other influential people in our lives from the past due to no fault of our own but weeds continue to grow up and choke the seeds that God has been trying to plant in our lives. You might be here this morning, you're like, I just keep tripping up, I keep failing, I keep falling over, I keep, I keep struggling because there's all these weeds in my life. Jesus doesn't want to leave you there today. He wants to set you free from those weeds today. And no matter what has been planted, He can come and cut out those weeds to make you free to plant the right sort of God seeds. I'll say this in closing. I'll say this in closing. It's never too late. Perhaps you're here and you're currently reaping a harvest of more death and destruction than you'd like. Or perhaps you're here and you're just really struggling, and the fight's on, and you feel tired, and you feel overwhelmed, and you're just like, Hayden, I, I, I'm experiencing this harvest, and I, I see the harvest over there, but I, I'm just so far from there to here. I want to let you know the good news. The good news is that in Romans 8, it says that God uses everything for the good of those who love Him. That in a moment of changing direction from choosing this path to choosing this direction, God can use all of those bad seeds that have been planted in the past. He can use them for His glory and for His good. That's incredibly good news. All the the habits, all the bad way of thinking, the poor, the destructive thoughts, the gossip, the, the overspending. He can use all of that for His good. He can. He can use all of it. I used to work for Tip Top Ice Cream Company. Anyone here like ice cream? Not after that analogy about Sprite. Hey, I was like, no. Yeah. I, I worked for Tip Top Ice Cream and I, I was in the sales job. And then there was an opportunity to be promoted to a to a national sales manager. I was like, wow, that's a great opportunity. I I went and I got interviewed. And I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but I'm having this interview and it's going well, and I feel like it's going well. And the, there's like a you know there's this great connection. And then and then I just. Let out a small lie. I lied. I thought, oh, it's okay. It's just a small lie. I'll just leave it there. But the interviewers, they kept asking me about this lie that i just made up. And so for the next 30 minutes, this lie got really, really, really big. It was a big lie. Like the interview only went for like an hour and for over half of it, I was lying. But you know, when you're, when you're lying and you're like, abort, an abort, pull out, stop, or I just keep going. Just cover that up. Conscience, you can die. (laughs) Anyway, I got home that night and I couldn't sleep. My conscience was just raging. And I want to say this just just briefly. The difference between guilt and condemnation. Guilt says you and I have done something bad. Condemnation says I am bad. So guilt can actually be really helpful. (laughs) Guilt says, I have done something bad. I can go back and fix it. Condemnation says, I am bad. I am unworthy. I am not good enough. Anyway, uh, this went on for like the next two nights. And I was just like, hardly sleep in my conscience. Oh, terrible. And then I got, well, the third day after sitting down and just going, God, you know, like, what do I do with this? He's like, Hayden, no matter what happens, you just need to be honest. Makes sense. It sounds like something God would say. On the third day, the, the person that's employing this position rings me and says, Hayden, I need to see you in my office. I'm like, great. What's well, going coming. I walk into the office. He's like, Hayden, man, you interviewed so well. Oh, we're just, oh, I want to give you the job. It's like, I can't take it. I can't take the job. I can't take it. It's like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you take the job? I said, I lied. I lied. I lied. He said, What did you lie about? I was like, Most of it. <laughs> He's like, What? I was like, You know, seriously, like most of that interview, I lied. And then he said this incredible thing. He said, Hey, well, well you know what? That only affirms my thinking. That just makes me want to give you this job even more. I'm definitely not saying this because, oh, yay, Hayden. I'm saying this because God can work all of the tough stuff, the rough stuff, the bad stuff, and use it for His glory. And so if you're here this morning and there's stuff in your life where you're like, man, I've been been sowing the wrong seeds. It's as simple as turning to Him and saying, Jesus, I turn from all of that and I say yes to You and I am going to allow Your Spirit to empower me to then begin sowing the right sort of seeds and also use all that other stuff as well. That is good news.